Are you aware of how the language and the words that you use could be hamstringing your rehabilitation and causing more issues? If not, listen on, because this week we go through an article that asks that and answers that exact question. So for this week's research review, I go through the paper, Sticks and Stones, The Impact of Language in Musculoskeletal Rehabilitation. Uh, this is by Mike Stewart uh, out of the UK. And what he points out in this paper really clearly is that our language and the words that we use can have a tremendous impact on uh, our rehabilitation and our treatment of patients simply because our words carry meaning and that meaning has a, a real response on how our people will react and behave. And so what he points out, the point of our therapy, the point of our rehabilitation is that we are guiding people towards recovery and that our words can heal, they can harm based on their corrupting or their enhancing influence on our thoughts uh, and therefore affecting our behavior, uh, can cause worry and fear uh, and can create levels of uncertainty which ultimately uh, lead people down different paths. And the big thing he points out is that the patient's understanding and therefore the meaning they take out of uh, the words that we use can be really very different to uh, the, the meaning that the words have to us, thinking about uh, you know, words like osteoarthritis, tear, um, you know, plantar fasciitis even, just words that, that are very common to us can sound not only incredibly foreign, but incredibly worrying to other people. A classic, another classic one is, is Sever's disease, um, you know, uh, which we all know is, is, you know, sounds terrible, but really um, primarily a self-limiting condition. So it's highlighting this, this disparity between the words that we use and what the patient understands. What he points out as well is that we've got a series of papers that really show that psychological factors are more effective predictors of pain and disability than you know, traditional biomedical factors. And the classic sort of uh, case for this popularised you know, in Thorma Mosley sort of education courses is that you know, we can take a scan of someone's back and it's their, uh, their own prediction of whether they'll get better is more predictive of whether they will get better than what the scan says. A big part of that is because the psychological factors will predict behavior and responses, whether they will stick to um, their rehabilitation, how they will respond when they have flares of pain, all of these sort of factors, they're much more predictive because of that rather than biomedical issues where you could have a particularly bad um, tendon tear or you can have a particularly um, you know, bad looking scan. But if you have a very good approach, a very pragmatic approach, a very positive approach to how you're going to manage it and you have the support network to do it, you are more likely to have a better recovery. What he points out as well is that you know, with our current you know, understanding of neuroscience and pain, pain is highly variable. And therefore, we want to use um, our words and our communication that helps people understand this and uh, actually then be able to put that into practice. And he sort of compares this to how we're often taught, which is a very biomedical understanding, using lots of words and jargon and ultimately explanations that imply that things are broken and damaged. 
And this, using these words and this sort of language has that impact through people's, you know, predictions of things will get worse, oh, I can't be fixed, or if pain is continuing beyond when we would expect it to, which is really quite common. Um, you know, I, I just saw a paper the other day showing that, you know, it's incredibly common to, to develop neuropathic sort of type pain um, presentations post uh, ankle fracture and um, um, orbital rotation internal fixation um, surgery. So it's becoming more common. And when we're using these words and people are having this, you know, experience of pain uh, continuing, we end up with this situation where they're just lost because their meaning is that they're broken and they're continuing to have pain that implies that they're broken. That's the meaning they've taken out of our words. He also points out that there's a great sort of um, quote he's taken from a paper by Burlington et al. Um, that says, to encounter another human is to encounter another world. And what this is saying is that when someone comes to us, they've got their own world, their own understanding, their experiences, everything. And so there is really no simple recipe or formula for how to communicate the language that we use and everything. Everyone's going to take their own meaning from what we say based upon what that word means in their own world. And that's really difficult. And he's not hiding behind the fact that that's, that's difficult, but it's something that if we're not considering, gives us problems. Because otherwise we're using cookie cutter formulas of ways and we're explaining things. And that's ultimately where we end up in these sort of holes where we're trying to explain something like we usually do and someone takes a very different meaning. And if we're not Thinking about that when we're asking patients and listening to them and hearing them talk and going through our subjective history, we can end up down that sort of rabbit hole. He's given an example as well in this paper of uh, a person named Ben and low back pain. But I think for us, there's, you know, much better examples um, if we're thinking about the lower limb, you know, knee osteoarthritis, you know, describing it as wear and tear, bone on bone. What happens when someone goes and experiences exercise, uh, pain post-exercise are they going to think well actually that's just potentially more due to uh, due to the synovium um, or sensitivity no they're going to think well that's my bones crunching together they're not going to be encouraged to exercise even though that is the most evidence-based uh, tr conservative treatment for knee osteoarthritis same thing if we think about an achilles tendon tear it can be a longitudinal split tear not at risk of rupture but if you say, just leave it at, oh, it's a tear in your Achilles tendon, there's lots of people that would go away thinking, you know, it could possibly snap. And therefore, again, not feeling like they should be loading their tendon or when they're experiencing pain, that it might be contributing to a to them potentially snapping their tendon in the future. So we've got to be careful of our, our words and what they mean. And I think... It sort of highlights that in our treatment, if we're explaining issues as a purely biomedical, you know, using words that imply that things need to be healed or fixed, we can run into a real issue where people, you know, might not want to engage in therapy. Because if we're saying things are broken, things are damaged, and they're, they're, they're hard to, to fix, people might not want to go and go, well, I'm going to do these exercises. Because we've used words and language and, and things that imply that something needs to be stapled or screwed back together. And it can put people down the path of feeling like they need to get surgery. And we've got a, a brilliant paper with this on um, in knee meniscus, where if you say that someone's got an acute, uh, sorry, a chronic sort of tear of their meniscus, even though we know that that's not a surgery that's effective for it, 
people won't engage in therapy as well until they get that fix. So communication is really, uh, we've got to think about the language and, and words that we use to reconceptualize these issues or just avoid conceptualizing them in the first place as purely biomedical things that need to be fixed. It also highlights that offhanded statements can heavily influence recovery expectations. And, you know, anecdotally, I've seen that happen all the time where people say, oh, we're just leaving and the, the therapist or the, the specialist gave this offhanded comment of, oh, good luck. And they're sort of like, what does that mean? You know, does that mean, oh my God, you know, good luck because I'm, I'm going to have a lot of trouble. So we've got to be careful of not just the, the things that we're really thinking hard about in our explanations and our education, but we've also got to think about those offhanded comments and what they're going to mean. It's often what people remember. Finally, he does present a really, really good table at the end, which highlights a whole bunch of common words um, that can be uh, quite scary and quite dangerous to patients that don't know what they mean, and some common alternatives as well. Not again as a formula, but just as a framework, just as some examples of what we can use in clinical practice to help try and change that narrative or avoid these negative meaning responses that patients can have.